Hey you, my entrepreneurial friend. Of 10 years of running my coaching business, I am going to finally teach business. And of course, I'm going to teach business with human design. Because the thing that I've discovered over the last decade is that the way everyone else taught me to run a business didn't freaking work for me. So over this last decade, to create a multiple seven-figure business, I've broken all the rules. I have done everything my way. I have looked experts in the face and downright said no, all to create something I love with greater ease and flow that literally is changing the world. And the best part is it doesn't feel like work at all. It feels like I get to hang out with my best friends and I am having a huge impact on the planet at the same time. So if you own a business that you want to finally maybe start, grow, or even scale, then come and join me on the 9th of May to discover how your human design can create the most beautiful, authentic success for you. For all the details, follow the link in the show notes. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, the Arakwell people of the Bunjalung Nation, and pay my respects to the elders past, present, and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Human Design Podcast with me, your host, Emma Dunwoody. I'm a qualified master coach and human behavior specialist, as well as being a qualified human design coach. And I work with clients every single day to answer the big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And what is my purpose? I also assist them to transition from the person they think they should be to the person they really are on the inside. I teach people how to actually live their design instead of just knowing it. And if this is something that you want to do too, well, stay tuned or reach out for private coaching or human design unpacks where I show you exactly how to live your design. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Human Design Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I want to share something really amazing with you. And it's actually one of our new Millions of Millionaires sponsors. So to introduce this body graph chart software that we've been using that's been mind-blowing. So I want to welcome the amazing um, Taylor Jason, who is my incredible operations manager. Welcome along, Taylor. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. This is actually um, something that we implemented when? Um, April. Yeah. And we were just trialing it out because they'd reached out to us um, in regards to sponsoring the podcast or something like that, wasn't it? And so it kind of wasn't Mm -hmm. even on our radar and we tried it out and we had such low expectations. And then what happened? Well, I remember sending you a message going, Emma, why are we not using this? Because I was mind blown. You know, we get a lot of requests for stuff like that. And, you know, there's new softwares all the time. And I clicked on it, like you said, with very low expectations. And I started looking through what they can do. And I had, I got so excited. You know, the MG in me was like, oh my God, we have to use this. And I saw the potential of it and it has delivered more than expected. It's really awesome. Amazing. Now, before we get into the actual numbers, because I know um, numbers with Taylor is a thing in our business. She loves to share all the all the numbers. Let's just tell the listeners exactly who it's for and what it is. 
Yeah. So it's a great tool for anyone who uses human design in their business. So if you're a human design reader, a human design coach, or just someone who uses human design in your business, if you, you know, incorporate it into whatever you do, it's a way for you to embed an actual human design chart tool into your website. So, you know, if you want someone to get their human design chart, you probably send them to an outside platform somewhere, you know, oh, go to this website, put in your details and get your chart, whatever that platform might be. There's a couple big ones. And what's cool about this is that it allows you to put that tool on your own website and it's yours. So when someone comes and, you know, puts their information into your website, they get their chart and then you can hook up, hook it up to your email list, to your newsletter. You can have it linked to your own content. You can customize the reports afterwards that they get, you know, so it's your own descriptions of what, you know, this type is or this profile. So that's kind of what it is. Oh my God, I love it. And it's so cool because I actually remember when Jenna Zoe, because it must be the same software that Jenna Zoe used and before anyone else. Yeah, right. And I was always like, wow, her chart looks so beautiful and it's on her website. That's so cool. So yeah, when we started using it, I was like, this is beautiful. I'm really excited that we can do it. But let's talk hard numbers. Like we have had some serious success with this, um, just adding this to our business. So tell everyone a little bit about the growth that we've experienced through using this. Yeah. So since implementing it into our website in April, there have been over 4,000 people that have downloaded their chart through the website. And that's unique. That's not, um, you know, someone who does it twice because a lot of people will go back because they won't download the PDF or something, or they lost it or misplaced it. That's unique um, chart downloads. So it's even more for double for people doing it twice. Um, and it's been really amazing. It's more than tripled the size of the email list. And, you know, you can set up you know, sequences afterwards for people to, um, you know, give them more information and keep everything in-house. Yeah. And because one of the really big things for us is obviously human design made simple. So it gives us the opportunity to um, give our way of teaching human design directly to the people who want it. And I love that. I love that every single person that wants to get their chart, that downloads it, we can then support them on their journey straight away, which is of course what you set up because you're amazing to make sure that not only do they get their chart, but they also get this support, free content support that helps them as they're you know, new to human design and on their journey. So beautiful. So how do people access this? What's it, what's it called? And I know that there's a benefit for listeners of the podcast. Yes. So you can go to the link in the show notes, or you can go to bodygraphchart.com. And they have been kind enough to give the listeners of the human design podcast, a 50% off discount for 12 months, which is huge because it's already inexpensive to begin with. Um, And then the 50% discount is going to put it at $25 a month. That's in us dollars. So wherever you are in the world, it'll be, you know, a little bit different, but um, 50% off for 12 months. And the code is human design podcast. And we'll put that in the show notes too, for everyone. And one of the other things I want to say, that's really cool about this chart tool is that it's 100% customizable and it actually gives Chiron and the four arrows, which is what a lot of chart tools don't do that. So that's one thing that a lot of people are drawn to when they go to get our chart from our website is, oh, I can get the arrows because of it or my Chiron gates. I love that. It's so cool. So 
check out the show notes, people get on it because really it is such a powerful and as Taylor says, inexpensive tool, like it paid for itself in the first two days. I seem to remember or first day I seem to remember. So it's so valuable. Um, and it gives you the opportunity to really build your brand and your communication with your clients. So thank you. Go check it out. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to this month's transits episode. And of course, like every single month, we have to hear from our resident psychic tarot reader, magician, uh, all about what is coming up for the month of May. Liz Zamorski, what's coming up? This is a big one, everyone. I know I say this every month where I'm like, listen, this is a really big month, but I really mean it this time. It's bigger than usual because six cards wanted to come out of the tarot and four out of the six are what we call major arcana cards. And those are those big life moments. They're the archetypal energies. It's the emperor. It's the empress. It's the star. It's the sun. It's all of those big moments to say, hey, listen, pull yourself out pull your head out and pull yourself out of the day-to-day and come up to the bird's eye view a little bit. What exactly are the values that are shifting? What exactly are the energies that you're calling in that are starting to show up that need your attention? And we can't always give that attention when we're really stuck in the to-do list or the chores or the errands. So this is a really good time not to rest, but to actually zoom out, do the work from a bird's eye view, let yourself really feel that freedom that you've created for yourself to continue generating and manifesting with the universe. So that's even just the start off. So to give you this flavor of energy for May, it's deep. We're going deep immediately. The first two cards that came out were the Queen of Swords and the Six of Cups. And this is saying you're ready. You know what you want to do. You've identified the mindsets that have needed shifting. You've done that work. Well done. But you've also identified who it is you need to be and how it is you need to be thinking and processing information in the future. You really reach this height. You can see things from a different level. But that inner child that inner part of you that's never seen this done before and equates never having seen it done before with unsafety, that one is just, I'm not saying that they're sabotaging, but they're needing a little bit more awareness. They're needing a little bit more of your curiosity on what it is that they need in order for you to be doing your work. Because adult you is absolutely at the helm of this ship right now and you are going places. So just keep checking in with that inner child. The other cards that came out were the star and the moon, which is an interesting combo because it's really pulling me into the astrology of the present moment where we're in this eclipse season, which went from the solar eclipse that we just had to the next lunar eclipse. And all kinds of things are being revealed to us. We're entering into a new phase. We don't know what we don't know until we know it. And this is one of those moments. So it feels like the flashbulbs are going to be going off almost consistently. And just let yourself ride the wave. Again, do not take your foot off the gas pedal. This is not a time to rest. This is a time to work. And it's going to be in the flow and it's going to be aligned. So it's not going to feel like work. So don't let your inner child freak out. Again, going back to them, don't let them freak out and say, like, we're not doing enough. This doesn't, we're not busy enough. We're not stressed enough. Counsel them, work with them, let them know, like, no, we are doing the work. This is just what alignment feels like. And the last two cards, really fast, it's the Emperor and the Hierophant. These are the two highest masculine energies, highest ranked masculine energies in the whole deck. And so having them come out, these 
brothers from another mother at the end of your reading, it's saying you're really moving into that structure, that action, that alignment, that way of being the own your that way of being your own authority in your life and really claiming it and having people show up for it. So you're not here doing it alone. You're really calling in your people, but it's going to take a little bit of action. So just put on your running shoes this month and know that if it feels like it's just coasting along, you're doing it right. Wow. Oh my goodness. I love all of that. And you know what? It so resonates. Like we are heads down, bum up at the moment and definitely feel like that, especially because we're walking the Camino at the end of May. So we are so in that zone. Oh my God. So Liz, do you want to share with the listeners what's going on with you? How can they work with you? What's new? There's a million things always in my two, four generator heart that are always new um, and coming up. We have a retreat coming up at the end of May with just a couple of spots left. We have our flux community, which is just popping off. It's this incredible group of psychics and mystics and seekers who are coming in and sharing really beautiful energy and anchoring the light all around the world. So that's open. And then of course I I have my one-to-one readings, which I always love connecting with your audience because people show up and they're ready to do the work at the level that we can offer them. So I just love being able to work one-on-one with your clients as well. And, you know, keep checking in with my Instagram, of course, because new things are popping up all the time. And of course, it's hilarious hilarious and entertaining as well. It's freaking good. I love your Insta. It's so cool. Yeah. And one of my team members, I know for sure, is going on your retreat. So she's really pumped and excited to, um, to get there and have some fun. So thank you so much, Liz. And for everyone listening, well, it's time. It's time to discover what else you need to know about the upcoming month. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the episode. Hey, hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome to today's episode. It is the transits episode and we are back. Um, And not only are we back, we are back with extra because thank you for each and every one of you that reached out at length to let us know (laughs) not to try and make it shorter and um, for me to shut up to actually just keep doing the things that we're doing. Because I was, do you know what, Jen, a couple of people reached out and I actually said like, not only do I like it being long, but I listen to it three times. And I'm like, wow, that is massive investment, investment mm-hmm. of time. So um, we have listened and we are going to bring it back to the regular format. So thank you so much for your feedback, guys. And just as an, a, little, a little aside, I just want you guys out there to notice that this is how human design works. This is what the experiment looks like. This is us experimenting with, you know, following strategy and authority and as a line three for me, like giving something a go, seeing if it works, does that work, does it not work, and tweaking things and upgrading it. So this is just human design 101 in real life. So just wanted to kind of point point that out. Like we really do live our lives in alignment with our design. So yeah. Well, welcome, Jen. Thanks for being here. Hi. <clears throat> oh. Froggy throat. Hi, Emma. Hi, team. Um, yeah, I um I, I really like what you just said about this being a live kind of human de- a lived human design experiment. And also, you know, in the process of Emma's line three, you know, tinkering with the bond, there's also the opportunity for me to feel reinvited. You know, it's been almost two years that we've been doing this. And so it is kind of nice to have a bit of a discussion, not just to keep, you know, plodding on, doing exactly the same thing without any um 
I get a little bit of friction or a little bit of discussion because then, you know, we had a conversation off air. You got to kind of check in with your emotional authority and just check, is this invitation still still fresh? And, and that really helps me as well. It helps my energy when I can feel there's been a reinvestment of your energy. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think it's a really good point to make as well for you know, the people out there who either are projectors or have projectors in their life, like, does it need upgrading? Does that inv- that invitation need to be reissued or addressed or, you know, whatever it is. So just some real life lived experiences for you guys to draw on. Mm. Well, we are here. We're here together to obviously talk about transits, to talk about May. How the hell are we in May already? This is mental. It's crazy. Um, But, Jen, do you want to lead us through a bit of a reflection on April? Yeah, I mean, completely concur with, oh, my God, how did we get almost to May already? Because (laughs) April, I feel like I blinked and I missed it. It it was, it's gone so fast. Um, this is a, the last month where all the um, planets are direct. We're actually recording this in Mercury retrograde. So, you know, most of April has had everything direct. Mercury's retrograde, Pluto's about to go retrograde. So we're about to get start get back into that kind of energy. But I really feel that that April energy was fast forwarded. Um, on a personal level, um, I'm, for the first time in a long time, full of beans, full of energy. Um, had kind of forgotten what it was like to feel like. I'm going to put this in air quotes, a normal person, as in person who can get up every day and do stuff, because that hasn't been my reality for quite a long time. It's been a very careful management of a very small amount of energy that I've been living on. Um, and now I feel like I have had the capacity to actually say yes to a few things. <laughs> um, so I feel great energetically. Um, yeah. And I don't know how you, I don't know what you've felt in terms of just the general sense of your own energy. Yeah. Well, for April, I've really felt like um, we've had some really big things happening in April. We've been working with this um, consultant. We've been reviewing the entire business, doing a, a bunch of things. And we are now in this place where like, I've and I've had school holidays and I got sick. I was pretty much sick all holidays. And again, I don't often get sick. Like when I say I'm sick, it's often like I just can't move or I can't use my voice. Like I'm just tired, but I've actually got sick. And I, I've just been reflecting on that as well. And what Taylor and I have been feeling a lot of is like we're at that place that it's almost like the calm before the storm. Like we, and not not a bad storm, but a good storm. Like there's so much growth and we're just quietly just pegging away at everything in the background, like, you know, doing all of these little upgrades, doing this, doing that. Oh, by the way, everyone, we're also looking to hire. I'm just going to throw that out there because I know you guys are listening. We're actually looking for a, um, a new full-time, probably full-time. I'm going to say part-time to start with, part-time assistant role um, because we are growing the business in a massive way. So if you're interested, by the way, we're going to be promoting it. We're going to have a job spec and everything very, very soon for you guys to access, but I thought I would just mention it um, because we're in this massive growth mode. So right now as we speak, and I just had a session with Lisa Morsky one of the things that I feel, and I and I said to her, like, there's so much on my plate right now. 
Um, it's really exciting stuff, but it's it's bigger pieces, um, you know, bigger things that are coming in the future, like contracts signed for certain things, like some really exciting stuff. But I have this whole like, oh, my God, there's so much on my plate right now. Um, and even she said, and this is how I felt for April, it's like, you're nearly there, but you have to keep going. So that's kind of been what I feel like. There's this big boom coming, um, but it, I'm in the like one foot in front of the other, crossing T's, dotting I's, finishing this, uh, making sure that's covered, making sure that's done, and then actually expanding, getting ready to expand into all of that. So April's been massive. And like you said, I'm pretty sure I went to sleep a number of times and slept like through three days because how did April go past so fast? Like it's definitely been quick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been like a, we're in the, so if you look at what wheel are we on, wheel of the year two with the hexagrams on it, we're in thunder as a base trigram. Um, and I kind of like it because, it, you know, my, uh, I have 51 in, as my so, uh, earth personality and also my south nodes. So that, and it's double thunder as a tri, as a hexagram. So my, that feeling of the, everything's shaky, everything's a little bit unstable. Um, things can be, shocking events can happen. There's, there's that kind of background flavor, which I find very invigorating. Like mm. I love the energy of a thunderstorm, for example. Same. Like if it, it feels like it fills my body with energy. So that's the kind of background frequency, if you like. There is this kind mm. of vibrant but slightly un- unstable uh and background frequency with this thunder as a base mm. trigram. And I love kinda, that. I thrive on it, but I know it can be a bit unsettling for for some people. It definitely I love that. I love that ex- that explanation as well because it definitely feels like to me like same. I love a thunderstorm and I love that, you know, like it feels like it's the gods. Like it feels like it's the gods, mm-hmm. you know, you know, beating the drums. Like come on, it's time, it's time. Like okay, what's it time for? Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm mm-hmm. in. I'm doing it. Yep, 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 yep. So it mm-hmm. definitely resonates with where I feel that what yeah. April's been like for sure. Mm. There's also something, um, I mean, we're recording on the 26th of April, which is uh, in the middle of Mercury's retrograde through gate two, which is also conjunct Uranus at the moment. Um, and just looking at the events, that are the, the news events of the last couple of days, I think is really interesting. Mercury governs communications technology. Uranus brings in the new um, get to is of course you know pure receptive pure yin the archetype of the feminine uh, we had the new moon and the solar eclipse at the last degree of Aries the 29th um, which from a human design perspective is gate three which of course is making a channel with Pluto and gate 60 so like the last week in terms of the amount of like you say the gods big archetypal energy playing around with the let's call them the little gods yeah. down here um, when you look at the high-profile sackings oh in the God. major U.S. major news TV corporations, you know there's one at Fox, one at CNN, one at NBC Universal. Literally in the last week, uh, and at, at least a couple of those, if not all of them, in part are to do with their comments towards women or their behaviour towards women. So there's that was I thought really interesting that like not one but three mm. um, of those major figureheads of let's say misogynist I mean let's not I don't want to, t- to slander them but you know they they have a bit of a reputation some of them at least for um yeah for, for being this this kind of archetypal figure and it is 
fascinating to me. Also, we've got final session of Succession. I don't know if anyone's watching Succession or if you're watching Emma, no. um, which is basically the fictionalised version of the fam- the Murdoch family. Yeah. Plus the solar eclipse went over Australia um, and there's obviously that Murdoch-Australia connection. So, yeah, yeah I just have been watching I that think like, wow, this is I interesting. I love that. And I think that, I mean, I don't know who the um, people are that directly, like the one that I do know of is the Tucker, Tucker Carlson, whatever, and he yeah. actually got sacked for speaking out against the pharmaceutical com- companies. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. like, he literally got sacked because he was saying, that they, you know, basically made the media sell this product that ended up killing people and mm-hmm. then went on to prove his point by getting sacked because the, the their advertisers mm-hmm. were like, well, you need to get rid of him because he can't say that shit, which, again, is like pure commun- truth. Like he was communicating yes. the truth and he got sacked for it um, and proved his point. Mm-hmm. The, the power that- I mean, we don't Go know ahead. what comes out of Tucker Carlson's mouth is exactly true. No, it's certainly well, controversial. Well, I think that a lot of it is that, um, well, I do believe, I do believe that there's a lot okay. of truth in that. I believe there's a lot of truth in the fact that the media, um, and because not only because, um, you know, it's not just him saying it, it's it's this, it's a conversation that's been had in many places on many layers by many people. Um, I also work, I've worked in the media industry. I've worked for two TV networks. I know how this shit works. I know how that influence happens. Um and I think that this is a brilliant time and I think it's part of what we're actually here to, um, you know, evolve is actually getting rid of shifting the power from the few to the many and this is a way of doing it. I think that that's very different to maybe the other two if they've been let go for the treatment of women. I think that that's something that um, is also, you know, a very, very important and powerful statement as well but maybe one that's more more of a good thing, whereas the whole Tucker Carlson thing, maybe that's something that's more like, hmm, should that really have happened? But who knows? Well, I, I know. mean, if you do if you do watch Succession, and I'm sure there's lots of people listening who do, um, and you get to sort of see, you know, the the the, the mechanics and the puppetry in the background of um, so it was apparently Murdoch that called it on Tucker Carlson, and it, it basically they need the highest profile uh sacrifice you know it's like in order to protect themselves and this is this happens everywhere right this happens in government this happens if they've got some shady stuff that they don't want you to look at they're going to hang something else out they're going to cause a bigger stir so you look at that it's classic you know magician con man deception yeah just direct the attention to something else while we do carry on doing this in the background so in never mind that you know the mechanics of it in terms of from a planetary perspective from a from a transit's perspective this mercury new moon solar eclipse uranus conjunction retrograde all of that is what i'm kind of looking at through the lens like oh wow yeah the communications technology yeah. broadcast networks are really feeling this retrograde yeah wow you i know? love it and Bring it on. and this and this thunder this this instability this shaking the tree this you know, you can kind of see it all playing out like that. Yeah, so cool. Um, what else did I want to mention? As we're recording, uh, there's quite an interesting channel activation, one that I don't think we see very often. Um, so from the 8th of Ju- April, Jupiter's been in um, sacral gate 42, the gate of increase, um, which is 
also kind of the, the energy energy to close off a cycle. Um, it's like a finishing energy. And in that, it liber- when it closes something off, it liberates that energy that was tied up in whatever it was to be used for something new. So anyone with gate 53 hanging off the route has, has had that channel on for most of the month of April. And was putting that would explain up. all the doing that I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The pressure to close the cycle, the pressure to get put everything to bed so that you can get on with the new beginning. Yeah, don't even. I feel like that is such a massive, <laughs> massive topic for me right now. Yeah. And we also had the sun in gate 42 as well as conjunct Jupiter from the 11th to the 16th of April. So that might have been particularly highlighted. And then here at the end of the month where we are now in recording from the 24th to the 30th of April, Mars went into gate 53. So the whole planet is getting this energy, um, which is, you know, the 53 is the gate of beginnings, the gate of development. So therefore, the channel of maturation, which is keynoted a design of balanced and cyclical development, is on for everyone. So it really is a time where a particular phase or a particular period or season of your life might be ending and energy galvanizing behind a new phase you know I know I've got a close friend who's about to move house very suddenly husband got off a partner got off a new job and that's like okay well we've lived here for two years but suddenly you know we're boxing everything up and off we go um for me it came in as a new kind of thing rather than an ending I feel like I was already sitting in the emptiness already sitting in the everything's closed off and then within a week, suddenly two new things came in that I need to now gal- galvanize my energy behind. So, yeah, wherever you're at, it may be that you're still in the closing or it may be that the new beginning is already starting or maybe they're happening together. But it is that time of very, uh, yeah, it's it's pressurized from the root. It's fueled by the sacral. There's the energy to crack on, basically. Yeah, I love it. Feeling that. Mm. <laughs> So for ev- for everyone listening, you know, you might just look at, has there been a cycle of something that you can feel it's about to end? Uh, it might be relational. In fact, it's often relational. It can be, I'm done with this way of behaving or this way of relating. Um, it's abstract circuitry. So it, it, you know, it's anchored in the solar plexus. So it could be the end of feeling like this or the beginning of feeling like this, you know, it could be. Uh, related very much to the way that you're feeling oh my god I love this I literally just had this conversation with Liz Zamorski like Mm. we were talking about something um you know in the the very short future and basically who I had have to become to be that person and it's exactly Mm -hmm. that like oh oh I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was to let go of that part of myself like yeah I'm definitely feeling it Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, a, it's quite a big theme and we'll talk about it more as we get into May, but um, it, there's a lot of that kind of energy kicking around at the moment. Um, we're also, just to find a close off what else occurred in April, from the 13th to the 23rd of April, um, we had another emotional uh, activation with the 3955 channel from the root to the solar plexus in the individual circuitry. That was Mars in gate 39, gate of provocation, and Saturn still in gate 55 as we've discussed quite a lot um so again this kind of emotional energy for the whole planet that 50 percent of us are not used to 
Um, but everyone, I feel, getting a slightly different emotional flavor. You know, if you don't have that as your activation, you've got a different emotional channel, whether it's tribal or collective. This individual wave that can manifest as highs and lows, just suddenly out of the blue, feeling great, off top of the world. And I certainly finally got the top end of the wave. Um, there was a couple of days during that period where I was just bouncing, you know, it was actually over the um the new moon solar eclipse that day. I was high as a kite, like I'd taken ecstasy or something. I was like, I love everyone, I love everything. <laughs> so yeah, just to point to for for those kind of looking back at their month, there may have been a period in the middle there where there was, you know, high or even low, just like, oh my God, I feel like crap and don't know why. Yeah. So yeah, that's April. Looking forward. Let's, yeah, let's to May. Let's do it. Um, so the headline really for May, um, for those who know this isn't any of you, but can't be bothered to listen to the end or just want the sound bite. Um, the headline for May is May is dominated by three themes. The theme of mutation the theme of individuality, and the theme of tribal bargains. Um, I'll get into the details of why that is. Um, but put that in a sentence, um, we might see sudden individually driven shifts in close relationships, for example. Or those shifts might have a big emphasis on the revelation of individual truth and how that can throw things into chaos. So. This is, you know, there's a lot of Pluto activation in this um, limitate this gate of limitation, which is part of the channel of mutation. We get a, an activation with Jupiter into gate three, giving us the full channel for quite a few weeks. And so it's going to stimulate, it's the format channel for the whole individual circuit. So any individual gate activations uh, in your body graph, your personal body graph, We'll be getting some juice, but also there's a lot of planetary activation in the individual central channel. So I'll get into all the details of that, but just headlines. That's what we're looking at for May. For those that like to orientate themselves on the Wheel of the Year documents, which are available on the podcast page of my website, linked in the show notes, as always, um, we're looking at the closing off of the quarter of initiation and moving into Q2. The quarter of civilization, purpose fulfilled through form. So if you're looking at the wheel, that's southwest on the um on the wheels. Um the bait it's an interesting time. It's the uh it's the other side of the mandala from what we call Samhain or um Halloween, Day of the Dead, that kind of energy. We're ex- exactly opposite that now uh, in early May, which is Beltane in the northern hemisphere, presumably Samhain in the southern. Um, so we like to use this phrase that the veil is thin. And if you're looking at the hexagram, hexagrams on wheel um, on wheel two, then we're flipping from the yang base to the yin. So every hexagram from basically November to early May has the bottom line as a yang line in the hexagram. And from now all the way through to November, every hexagram has a yin baseline so we're there's a there's a full yin yang polarity and we're moving from yang into yin so i like i really like this time of year like i really like to honor it with um just awareness 
sometimes ritual, but this sense that there is a, it's like a twisting, like a talking. And if you think about the way that, like, say you had a disc, like a coin and you flip it over, there's a moment where there's, I don't know, everything's flipped, you know, everything has to rearrange itself onto the new side. So I, that's the energy I feel uh, at this time of year. So anyone wanting to honour that might do a Beltane or a Samhain ritual where you, it's often associated with fire. So having a, a little fire and yeah, just acknowledging the elements. Mm, that sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of the fire ritual. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Well, I love campfire, so I'm going to take uh, uh, It's close enough for me. <laughs> uh, let me just check the date. I think it's the 4th. Pretty sure it's the 4th that the sun moves into gate 2. Yeah. So that would be the date. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. Um, And then... The other thing that kind of characterizes this part of the of the year in terms of general themes is the throat process. So if you think about the, you know, the solar plexus process that we go through at the beginning of the quarter of initiation, and then the splenic process that happens in the third quarter, the duality quarter of duality, here in uh, the second quarter, purpose fulfilled through form, it's all about the throat. We get all the throat gates. Um, and here in the beginning part, we're getting uh, the throat gates that have the base trigram of earth. So we've just, I was talking about thunder. We're just coming out of this thundery process. We're now in the earth, uh, eighth of the wheel. And that is pure receptivity, pure yin. It's three yin lines for the earth. So it's all those throat gates. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, it's a little bit more grounded. I, I always think of that, that when you look at it, the base trigram, which is three yin lines, there's a gap in the middle. And I've mentioned this before, here in the Northern Hemisphere, this is where we plant seeds. You know, it's like a hole in the ground where you're planting a seed and something is actually growing. You know, the weather gets warmer and then suddenly there's produce everywhere. You know, there's this real explosion of growth. So we can think about that this energy is the same thing. It's this explosion of growth, which is what you were just talking about, Emma. Absolutely. So individuality, let's talk about that in terms of what is activating to bring that theme along. So the sun and the earth for most of May are going to be in individual gates right up until the very last week of May. We will have the sun and earth making the channel of structuring, which is the 4323 that comes from the Ajna to the throat in the centre. Um, that will be on for the whole planet as the global conditioner from the 10th to the 15th of May. Uh, Uranus is also going to move into 23 by this point. And Jupiter will be in, like I said, gate three, making a channel with Pluto in gate 60 at the same time, which is going to bring the mutation piece. So there's basically what that gives us is this potential for a personal or individual mutation that changes our direction in life from the root or that it changes how we talk about what we know. Um, the, the voice of the 2343 is I know. So there's going to be a lot of people saying what they know. But of course, they don't know for sure. They just know <laughs> as an internal knowing. This isn't logical knowing that's been tried and tested and proven. It's not that kind of knowing. It's just this spontaneous individual knowing or not, which might also manifest as, oh, my God, I don't know. I feel like I should know, but I don't. Yeah. So we have that. We're also going to have the sun, earth and gates one and two. They'll be in eight and 14. And then towards the end of May, they'll create the Charisma Channel, the 3420 for a week, which is 
integration channels, but still part of the individual kind of flavor of empowerment. Mm-hmm. So you can see that the Sun Earth are really focused on this individual mm. process of activation. Um, and with this root, this root definition on for most of the month, um, prov- providing the fuel for it, it's a lot, right? That's a lot of um, individual energy. Yeah. So I had, a, I wanted to, you know, mutation. I think is one of those words that I think we struggle with a little bit. It can be a bit. What does that even mean? I don't know what a mutation would look like. What you're talking yeah. about? I always talk about it like it's change, it's transformation. Like I think the same thing. I think mutation, mutations are not a great word. I mean, it's a great word, but it doesn't actually explain what it's doing. Well, I think. I mean, I've tapped into. I've been really feeling into it, like feeling into not just in terms of mutation but generally feeling into the biochemical process you know human design and the gene keys are saying that this is a map of the human genome yeah and that these centers in our body graph you know if you look at the biological correlations to the centers it's to do with the uh, hormonal system you know the pituitary mm-hmm. the pineal the thymus the thalamus the you know all of these um little control centers in our body that generate our hormonal balance our chemical balance and the way that they influence our moods our thoughts our genetic expression yeah so if we look at it from that perspective we can start to perhaps tap into you know when a trans when a uh, a couple of planets are transiting an emotional channel. How would that affect me? Well, they would have to stimulate the chemical messengers in my body and change my biochemistry in order for my emotional flavor to change. Right? Yep. It's not like the planet is, I don't know, somehow creating emotion. No, emotion is created through the biochemistry. Yeah, absolutely. So if we look at mutation like that, if you live. In really in tune with your body, if you're not driving your life and making decisions about where you go, what you do, what you eat, who you interact with from the mind, if you're just doing it as part of strategy and authority, if you're actually following your body and what, where your body goes or what it is drawn to, then you might then start to see how a sudden individual urge, which is likely what any you know, mutation or change in the individual channel would feel like in you, you just suddenly have the urge to do something or not do something. There's Mm -hmm. this sudden drive or like pulse of energy that pushes you in a certain direction. So I was thinking about what that would look like. And about six years ago, all of a sudden, my mum decided to go from being a a lifelong meat eater to, to becoming vegetarian, almost vegan. Just suddenly, out of the blue, one day, suddenly went vegetarian. Yeah. That's a mutation. That's an individual mutation. That changes your direction in life. You know, if you think about this whole central channel, you've got the channel of mutation at the bottom, the 360 between the root and the sacral. The next channel up in that in that process is the 14-2, which is fuel from the 14 and two, direction. So yeah. If my mom changes her fuel, as in she stops eating meat, that's biochemically going to change her body, which will have an impact on the, her direction in life. Yeah, It will also have an impact on her expression, which is the one eight up to the throat. You know, when she, whenever she interacts with anyone around food, her expression is going to be different. 
Mm. When you actually look at the one of the keynotes in the Ray V. Ching for Gate 14, I'll re- I'm quoting now, changes in human direction are determined by a mutation in the format energy and the consequent mutation of the driver's fuel. So if the driver is the monopole, which is receiving its fuel from the sacral, fuel determines direction. A vegetarian and a carnivore have very different directions in life. So Ra actually references this, you know, yeah, wow. this, this example that I'd kind of spontaneously come up with. So it is about fuel. It's about the energy or the resource that is fueling your direction in life. 14 is often associated with resources, finances. So, you know, if your financial fuel mutates, then your direction changes. You have yeah. either more or less available income for whatever it is. So this is to bring it like back into the reality of our life. It's not an esoteric concept. It's a lived experience. You know, it's a real thing that's happening. Yeah, I love that. And even just hearing it, one of the things that comes up for me is, especially because of the conversation I've just had with Liz, like what comes up for me is it's also like that change of identity. So Mm -hmm. if we actually create our life and our reality from our identity, which we do, our unconscious identity, that is a large part of it, you know, like it really, and I know for me after this conversation, that there's a part of my identity that has to die. That is, mm-hmm. the, and there's this new part of my identity that's already been birthed that I need to step into. So I think that, and this is something, <clears throat> you know, if we actually bring it back to change, that's any change that we want to create in the, from a being human point of view means we have to change our identity. So I think a lot of that as well is what we're talking about. It's like, who am I becoming? Like, what is my identity changing to? What do I have to let go of to be that person? Um, you know, and in your in your example, like, well, eating meat, that's a very sim- simple thing. Like, yep, well, it's not a simple thing to change, but it's a simple um, example of what you need to let go of. Um, and so maybe this is also a time, and I know from my experience, is very much a time where I have to let go. And there's actually, we were talking about, um, when you walk the Camino, you get to this point uh, where there's this big cross on top of a hill and it's called Cruz de Ferro. And at this cross, you literally, you have a rock or something that you walk with the entire time that you're on the Camino and then you leave it there. You leave that piece of yourself you want to let go of. Um, and what all of this really makes sense to me about is like we were talking about the actual talisman that I want to leave there and it's something that I've worn for many years and it's something that I'm like, oh, I don't want to let it go, but I just know it's the thing I have to leave at Cruz de Ferro. So I think that that's also what we're talking about. Like this is potentially a time that there's going to be a part of you that needs to end, that needs to be let go of, even if there's resistance because it feels safer to be who you know you've been and you can trust and it's safe. Um, it's also that that time where, you know, it's also time you're being invited to be someone new. So that's mm-hmm. that part of that mutation, like that new identity is that new direction as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The intri- you know, in the monopole, they're intrinsically linked, those two things, right? Identity and personal direction. And you can almost feel the direction before you're ready to let go of the identity. Yep. It's like, that's exactly, I give that's up. exactly, you know? exactly. And, and it's really interesting you just said that because that's exactly what I said to Liz because there's this part of my identity if you write it down on paper and said, this is what I'm stepping into. Like people would be like, oh, my God, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's fantastic. How exciting. Yeah, I mean, similarly, speaking of the Camino, you know, that's something I had to let go of because I used to be the kind of person 
that could do that and would love that and it would be the best experience and I would have all the energy in the world for it but I've had to let go of that part of my identity as the person who can do long endurance type uh, challenges because the reality now the mutation in my body now was that I, I was it was making me sick just thinking about it so yeah, we. It, it's not an easy thing to let go of someone you used to really enjoy being. Yeah. <laughs> really enjoyed yeah. being that kind of person, you know? Yeah. And it felt so safe and comfy still today. You know, it still feels mm. comfortable, even though you can feel that that new part of you that's already birthed, that's mm. trying really hard to shine. And in your case, has had that opportunity to fully shine that you've been able to fully step into. Mm. And I mean, also in terms of, the, the planets that are making this activation in in these channels the if with pluto and jupiter making the channel of mutation this is not just about us this is wider society you know this yeah. is little individual mutations but m- massive ripples yeah and it may even be ripples through the gene pool you know if we yeah. all follow you know the purpose of the individual channels in the body graph is to mutate the collective, but it has to happen one by one, person by person. Um, this is how societal change takes place. It takes place as the result, as the result of these ripples. So one thing I sort of see with people who have a lot of individual circuitry in their body graph is that they're often, particularly when they're newer to design, hyper-focused on the collective, always trying to change other people or change society around them because they haven't seen the mechanics that it's their individual change that's going to cause the ripple. Um, and it's actually a distraction for people with a lot of individual circuitry to be too concerned about what the tribe or what the collective is doing, because it distracts them from the, the really sensing into this yeah. individual change. Yeah, and I think this is this is such an important point, because I actually believe it's also so heavily linked to our conditioning. I'm literally having this um, discussion with a friend of mine at the moment, and he's a one a one three profile, right? Vessel of love. Um, and I asked him just as a throwaway question, as I always do, if you had a magic wand, what would you create? If and everyone's going to be happy, what would you create? It's totally messed with his head. He's like, I don't know. I've never thought of myself first. And I'm like, dude, like, this is important for you. You need to learn to think about yourself. And he's like, oh, I've never been allowed to. It's always been about taking care of everyone else. And da, da, da. So I think this is such an important point. Um, and I know for me having, you know, like with the cross of planning, it's like the cross of duality. Like I have the individual and I have the tribal. And it's always been this dance between the two. And again, I'm personal profile, but I would always tend on the tribal side. Again, it's because I believe it's the way we're conditioned. We're conditioned to give everything away to the other. Whereas, again, I agree, like with human design, this is what's so powerful is that we can actually look into our chart and be like, oh, right, it really is about me. It is about um, my journey. And then when we actually commit to that experiment, then we can actually see the power when we focus on our own change, our own mutation, and that then we see the impact that our change has, not when we're trying to change other people. Yeah, and I think it can be scary for ind- for individuals to to make that change because they will naturally start to consider how that's going to affect 
their tribe and affect the people around them. There is a natural fear, I think, in the yep. any individual circuitry of I'm terrified that I'm going to be ostracized for this. Um, this is too weird. This is too dangerous. Nobody else around me is doing it. It's you know. selfish. It's you know, um, it's you know, it's awful. It's mean to focus on yourself. It's all of these things. Like I was, I'm an only child. I have all this conditioning. Like, you know, if the external, if I was just paying attention to the external clues, my life is so meant to be about me first. But mm-hmm. I am completely conditioned the other way, or was completely conditioned the other way. Yeah, I think the thing like to encourage because we're all getting like it's not just the people with individual circuitry defined in their body graph this is all of us where the may is giving us all quite a lot of definition in this circuit group so we our the invitation is to be so acutely attuned to this this these individual pulses that will just suddenly pop in and pop out um that see if we can have the confidence and the the faith and the trust to follow them without talking ourselves out of them because if you talk yourself out of it that pulse didn't have the opportunity to mutate all of us as a species in the way that it might have done. I was trying to think of an example about this, and um, I thought of a couple. One of them was, say, for example, a mutative pulse ripples through the species and causing this kind of desire to delete your Facebook account, for example. Now, a lot of people would talk themselves out of that. They'd feel it. And then they'd be like, oh, well, I've got loads of groups on there, all my contacts. I'm afraid I'm going to lose touch with all these people if I delete my Facebook account. But I really feel like I want to, but I'm really talking myself out of it. If everyone just didn't talk themselves out of it and followed that mutative pulse, it would have an impact on them as an individual, yes, but it would, of course, have a massive impact on the collective. Yeah. You know? So you know, Facebook didn't do anything different, but suddenly their user base just halved or whatever. So you can see how if everyone is attuned to these pulses of individual mutation and follows them without concern, without talking themselves out of it, then you could see the potential impact that that could have on the collective. So say that individual had been for a long time thinking, um, I think everyone spends too much time on social media. I wish people would connect in person more or spend less time on their screens. That's like this hyper-focus externally. I wish everyone else would make the change without following the individual pulse that would make sense, you know? Mm. On on the other side of that, say everyone suddenly had the urge to go and plant a tree or stop using chemical cleaning products or stop driving their car for short walkable distances or whatever, and yet talk themselves out of it. Oh, well. Nobody else plants trees. And if I plant a tree there, maybe it's going to ruin that person's shade in their garden or blah, 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 whatever, you know, all this talking out of. So I think we don't know what mutations are going to happen through this transit. We don't know what ripples are going to be pushing to transmit through the gene pool. But it's about courage, right? It's about faith and trust and curiosity to experiment with, okay, well, let me see what happens if I do follow this impulse. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That sounds so fun. Like the idea of like half of Facebook's user base disappearing overnight. That sounds exciting. Um, it could, I mean, the, the potential is there, you know, mutations yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I suppose it's also, that's, that's what a movement is, you know, enough people yeah. get behind it and then that, that tiny ripple becomes a tidal wave. So yeah, I love yeah. that. 
So talking about this channel, just to give everyone, so if you've got, um, we've all got Pluto in 60, it's been there for like a year and a half, maybe even two years. The fifth, the first to the 25th of May is when Jupiter's going to be in gate three. Um, I mean, we've had other, we had Venus in gate three in March for a week. Um, so, you know, there was this 14th to the 18th of March, I think it was, where there was this activation. Anyone with gate three hanging in their body graph has had this channel on for a long time. Um, so one of the things to know in terms of how Pluto acts on us collectively is it's called the ruler of the cycle and kind of along the theme of what Emma and I've just been talking about in terms of let it the, the way it changes your identity it's the limitation that Pluto is bringing to every aspect of our lives every aspect of society it, you know it's narrowing the bandwidth it's getting rid of the excess it's saying not this not this not this not this limiting 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 just this in order to push the energy through for the pulse of change right in order for any uh if you just had all options on the table there's no limitation you know this unlimited it doesn't uh channel or direct the energy mm -hmm. so on a personal level part of the the one of the keynotes in the I Ching is the acceptance of limitation is the first step in transcendence the acceptance of limitation is the first step of transcendence and that's the tricky bit accepting the limitation is the tricky bit it also says in the ravi ching if you don't accept the limitation if you don't find a sense of peace in the space between while you're waiting for this change to take place where you can sense that there's something afoot but it hasn't quite mutated yet. It hasn't quite changed yet. The energy pulse hasn't come through yet. That feeling can feel depressive. And it's one of the strongest kind of body graph indicators for depression. The type, I mean, there's lots of different types of depression, but the depression of, oh my God, I can't bear this anymore. I feel so limited, so restricted. I really wish this would change. It feels ugh in my body. I can't stand it. That's exactly. But it hasn't changed yet. That's exactly how I, I reckon I feel. I felt like all through my mental health journey, and I've got the gate sixty, but it's in an it's a hanging gate, an undefined center, um, and it's also my personality Mars. So I feel like it's been such a massive lesson for me that like actually learning to be patient. I also have the gate five in line six in my SQ, which is like, oh my god, patience is this massive keynote for me, like. But I didn't know that for a very, very long time. So I totally resonate with what you're saying. Like that whole, almost like I want to, like, I, I can't even articulate it. It feels so uncomfortable in your body. Like, and I actually used to have this behavior. Obviously, it started with my mother. Like I would like throw a tantrum to try and hurry things up. And then once I started um, my healing, my mental health, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I can't do that. You know, healed that inner child stuff did never did it externally to anyone else but I would still do it to the universe I'd be like well universe if you don't hurry it up then I'll just do this you know so I definitely have this resonance of that energy of like being able to or wanting to just force that mutation but actually my greatest lesson that I've learned from that is patience mm-hmm yeah. And just, I mean, I'm just acknowledging it. I'm just calling it because the whole planet has been getting this 
from Pluto for a long time. We've still got another year on it at least till November 2024. It's like patience, patience. Let it let the change come through without forcing it. Like you're saying, like you can't stop trying to blow stuff up before it's ready to be blown up. You, there's a very fine line between allowing a mutation and accepting the limitation yeah. um, than forcing it and pushing it because it feels so difficult. Physically. And I think the other piece like that I want to just add to that is that the when you can fully like, accept the limitation, as you're saying, it's it actually not only does it feel better in your body, but it's also that real awareness of like, well, a large part of this is about divine timing. Like one of the lessons that I've really been learning recently is like with all these things that um, I'm manifesting and calling in, I can see them all starting, but I've just had this massive awareness of these things that I wanted a year ago that are now starting to really show up. I'm like, oh shit, I had to become that person that could actually receive and be that manifestation. So I also think it's part of that process where um, you might think or your mind might think that, um, you know, like you're waiting and it's uncomfortable and you're trying to force it. But there's also like you need to allow that patience. You need to accept that limitation because in that limitation, you are becoming someone new. And that doesn't just happen overnight. It happens over mm-hmm. time. So, yeah. Yeah. And in terms of just the, you know, the frustration, you know, if we're talking about this from a global perspective, Pluto's been in uh, gate 60, line five, all of April. The the retrograde in May is going to take it back through line five. And the line five uh, is called leadership. So we're looking at limitations in leadership and seeing how limited our leaders are. And anyone in a position of leadership feeling like their options are extremely limited. Like, I can't go this way. I can't go that way. I can't say this. I can't say that. Like, our current culture is becoming so unbelievably intolerant that if you were in a position of leadership trying to trying to initiate change or trying to let this change come through you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't you make one change one whole group cancels you you make another change another whole group cancels you like it is becoming extremely difficult to lead at all so yeah. because of the you know the rise of the individual empowerment you know as we're flipping over from the cross of planning into the cross of the sleeping phoenix which is much more about individual uh self-empowerment rather than collective group goals yeah being in leadership position wow difficult yeah and isn't it interesting as well because that the theme that just comes to mind as well is that you know we're starting to realize that our leaders are limited you know and Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, we're all wanting to point fingers. And I mean, yep, I'm definitely pointing a couple of fingers myself, but I think the the better focus and the bigger journey is to understand that even the most perfect leader is limited. You know, everybody mm-hmm. is limited. You know, this is actually something that we need to stop freaking pointing out the limitations. We need to start pointing out, you know, the 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 good in people. Um, mm-hmm. and be more forgiving of the limited parts of mm-hmm. our leaders. Um, yeah, especially in a time where we really need to change our leadership. Um, how are we going to find great leaders if we're pointing out all of their limitations? We need to be actually more focused on the good stuff, the the change they're bringing, the positive leadership, the powerful leadership, the um, transparency, the truth, the 
sovereignty, the freedom, all of these sort of things, as opposed to pointing out the fact that maybe they're not spending enough time with their children or they said something on Instagram once that they shouldn't. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's God bless anyone who puts their head above a parapet and yeah. is willing to put themselves in the firing line for all of that in a, t- in a time where the, and, and I'm going to come on to this in a minute because it relates to the 4323 and Uranus in the 23, this incredibly intolerant minority, I will say minority, they're a very loud and vocal minority, but I do think they're the minority um, because, I mean, I'm just going to jump straight into it. 23, which is where Uranus is heading in May, is about um, a, a tolerance for all voices. You know, it's individ- It's the individual throat gate from the Ajna. It's part of the channel genius to freak, uh, a, a design of individuality. It is the voice that speaks of individual knowing. And we have to be able to hear everyone. We have to be able to make space for all voices. Couldn't agree. We, you know, the 23 in its shadow expression, and I've noticed this in people who, ha- you know, it, early on in their journey with 23 defined in their body graph, because they perhaps have been rejected or judged for the individual voice that they speak with have become intolerant of other people's individual voices, you know, are quite judgmental, you know, the, the inter- internalized judgment then spills out. Um, but in its highest expression, the 23 is here. It's called amorality. One of the keynotes in the in the um, Ray V. Ching is amorality, which isn't immorality. It's a different thing. It's the absence of moral judgment on the individual voice. So in order mm-hmm. to get, where we need to be uranus is you know bringing in this energy of can you all be tolerant of every individual's right to free expression yeah and i think that that's that is the biggest uh one of the really big challenges that we're facing right now because we are so conditioned conditioned to be intolerant that's what we've been taught to be like that is what the news is the news is intolerant what does the news Mm -hmm. do it picks a bad person puts them on the news and says this bad person did this bad thing they don't say Mm -hmm. ah this person was actually exposed to this trauma when they were a child and then they learned to treat people this way and then this is the result of what happened so guys you know you know do this differently it's this time where and I think one of the things that we I love this topic because it really is so important that we become more tolerant of even the people that have done wrong by us. Um, I was watching and I haven't watched the whole or listened to the whole podcast yet, but I'm hanging to. I just saw this quick clip from Dr. Zach Bush and he was saying, you know, that's it. We're at this time where we have to start forgiving people. We have to start forgiving for people for the things that they've done wrong or the choices they've made and the things they've done against us and start focusing on who we want to actually be and what we want to create, you know, like we need to bring beauty back to the planet. And I think that that's the point, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm like, let's just draw the line in the sand, you know, let's draw the line in the sand and let's do something different. Let's go somewhere different. Let's be different. Um, And yes, we can learn our lessons from the past, but it is definitely this time where we have to be aware, like we have to empower people to say like, hang on, this shit's happening. 
but it's not a time to then point the finger and say, well, you shouldn't have this and you shouldn't have that. It's like, oh, well, it's done. We need to heal this. We need to heal this, forgive this and move forward to create a different whatever that is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's very, we are in a very interesting sort of time where there's a yeah a splitting apart to use the the uh, the I Ching name for the for the gate twenty three. And I think in terms of if we put that together, you know, if we put twenty three with sixty, which they're going to be concurrently active um, for an, for a while, also with Neptune in thirty six. Let's not forget the gate of. Uh, in emotional crisis and the gate of compassion. If you put those, if you look at those three in a little lineup, which I am looking at my, you know, my ephemeris, Pluto, gate 60, limitation and leadership with the line, Neptune, 36, gate of crisis, Uranus, 23, splitting apart this individual voice. You can see where we're about to head through May and into June. And if I was in a position of leadership, feeling the sense of limitation, limitations in the economy, limitations in our resources, it is very unpopular to speak of that, you know? It's very unpopular for a person in a leadership position in our current culture to say, yeah, we're limited. No, we don't have as much money to spend. No, we don't have as much resources. I'm sorry it's unpopular, but everyone's going to have to start cutting back on their consumption. For a leader to actually address that and say, Guys, I'm sorry we're limited. We have to accept it. The reality is this. That is not a popular political move. That is not a popular economic move. That is, you know, in terms of the current structure and how we can accept the limitations that are being enforced upon us, the rhetoric, what we're saying, is very different to the reality in some in, in many cases. What I find interesting if I look forward to where Pluto goes next anyone who can remember what happens on the mandala gate 60 is a very important gate because it's the last gate in the cycle it's the end of something you know why is it limiting it limits 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 gets rid of everything to align with that energy is if you can tap into those limitations if you can accept those limitations and learn to live in accordance with those limitations whatever they are in your life personally I would love it if we as a planet could get on board with that. But I'm just saying there's a lot of resistance to that. But if each of us individually can be like, all right, fine. This is the reality of my situation. I am limited in this area now. I'm just going to have to accept it. I'm going to come into alignment with it. When Pluto moves into the gate of decrease, we're, we're equipped. We're ready. We're, we've stripped away the extraneous. We've let go of all this stuff we were trying to drag with us through the birth canal. You know, we have to let go of the womb in order to be born, you know. So as soon as you start to feel that the limitations are there and the, the faster we can come into alignment with them, and it might mean some hard decisions, you know, it might mean some difficult choices of things to let go. But the the motivation is to know, well, okay, Pluto's going into the gate of decrease next. So, and the contractions are going to start. So I want to be ready for that. I want to be surrendered and relaxed and have split apart or stripped away anything that's going to, yeah, drag me back. Mm. Wow. All right. Accepting limitations. 
that's that, you know that's the that's the reason why we're doing it because we know what's coming next yeah no get rid of your you know if you're say your your income has become limited well then strip away all the stuff that you don't actually need to be spending money on like streamline yourself get yourself maneuverable and and light on your feet mm. love it yeah so it yeah it's not necessarily the the <laughs> we call it my my teacher's been talking about this for the whole time I've known him, so seven years, eight years, about what he calls the long out breath. You know, he's also looking at the at the trend of the way that um, life moves, the natural laws that are unavoidable. And everything is waveform. Everything expands and contracts. Everything breathes in and breathes out. You can't breathe in forever. It's not, it feels uncomfortable. You feel too full and you feel like you're going to pop. And that's where we're at, you know, it's like uh, collectively we're at the top of the in-breath. We can't fit any more in. We're desperate for the relief of an out-breath and, and we're afraid of letting go and releasing an ah. So getting into this trend of the long out-breath, feeling into this long out-breath and, and the joy and the relief that it potentially brings, going back to the simple, uncomplicated essential nature of your connection to life just you know that is profoundly relieving it's incredible like an outbreath feels good ah it's a sigh of relief so collectively as a society we have to head towards the sigh of relief and not be afraid that there's going to be that it's the end of you know yeah yeah i love that it's a relief not the end of yeah and one of the, you know, if we're looking at the gate 36, which is in the mix with all of this with Neptune, the rule of cycles in which the decline is a natural but not enduring stage. It's they're all, you know, singing from the same hymn sheet, if you like. Yeah. So the final part of um, you know, the three things that I talked about, which is mutation, individuality, and um tribal relationships, Saturn. Um, is moving from gate 55 into gate 37, the gate of spirit to the gate of friends and family. Um, I will talk a bit more about this in June, I think, because Saturn's going to be in 37 for a few months because of its retrograde. But I think in terms of what we're looking out for, we talked in the last podcast or maybe even two podcasts about Saturn in 55, structure and boundaries around spirit or like this relationship that we have uh, the masculine aspect of of Saturn and the boundaried rule break, rule making aspect of Saturn, and then spirit in the middle of that. In terms of what the the um, the impact might be of Saturn, bringer of structure and boundaries and discipline and limits and rules, uh, into the gate of friends and family, is we might see more boundaries and the tendency to set boundaries and hold boundaries with more discipline around the bargains that we make in our close relationships and that could go you know both ways it could mean that you've been giving a lot of support to friends and family and you're like I actually want to set a boundary here or it may be that you set boundaries in other areas of your life that mean that you have more energy available to provide support for friends and family so when I look at those two, Saturn and Gate 37, what I see is boundaries and limits that in some way affect 
our friends and family relationships one way or the other and bring them into more balance, you know, that that create that. this structure. And I feel like it's that's such a massive theme, you know, like so many people, especially when they first come to human design, they're like, oh, what, boundaries? I'm not meant to let people just take my energy. And I know even through all my um, behavioural work, like it's such a big thing. And it's those relationships that are the closest to us that we can often find the hardest to um create and maintain those boundaries so i love this because it's that that time where you know the whole universe is behind you so maybe make the effort to even ask yourself that question what what boundaries need to be put in place or what do i need um uh from my friends and family uh through this time you know like ask yourself be proactive about it yeah it is all about support and i think you know, if you look at what else is going on, we've still got the North Node in Gate 27. Jupiter's going to go into Gate 27 in late May. Um, Gate 27 being part of the defense circuit, one of the essential parts of how we care for ourselves, each other, how we nourish ourselves and each other. Um, We've also got the South Node in Gate 28 still, which is potentially adding the reflection about what really matters, like what, what is actually bringing meaning and purpose to my life. Am I actually using my energy? You know, there's a sacral activation through the 27. Am I actually using my energy to nourish myself and my family and my friends in a way that is actually really important? And I, you know, I'm a big fan of the if I died tomorrow reflection or if I died in a week or if I died in a year, whatever time frame is meaningful to you to enable you to just be like, what really matters? actually did i spend my time my energy my resources with or on what actually matters to me and that might not be friends and family that might be you yourself yeah. you know that might be what actually matters to you there's no judgment around what actually matters it, yeah. it's not better or worse to care more about your own individual journey in this life than the tribal relationships or the collective societal relationships each of us ha- has our own proclivities yeah. based on our design so yeah but, but I think about, that's such think, an important point yeah. what you just said like I think it's so freaking important to understand that you know what you want is and it it matters you know and it doesn't it's not about whether um like as you were speaking it's like if you want to spend your time if you with what you need is to be in your garden as much as much as possible then it that is just as valuable than if you need to champion a global movement it all matters i think that's one of the lessons that human design really is here to teach us because everyone has a part to play and each play each part is just as is important as the next even though our old way our old identity the old way of thinking is very like um you know masculine so what can you do for other people that's where your value lies like what you can do is great but the your being is is so 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 valuable yeah so I think um, when I look at all of that together, um, we're finding we can feel it. We can. I mean, I can really feel it. This change, this shift, 
from the planning to the sleeping phoenix out of the um the sacrifice you know this incredibly strong energy mm-hmm. you know that you have the 4037 that uh, and then the 9 and the 16 that uses all its ability to be skillful and focused and dedicated and logical and you know put everything in place so that there's all of this energy to support the people around us and as we feel that falling away it can feel pretty terrifying because community support is all any of us have ever known we've only ever known a society that looks after each other yeah that sacrifices individual empowerment for the good of everyone and I think also there's that piece like I always remember reading um in the biology of belief by Bruce Lipton I always remember reading it's like from our cells like from these tiniest parts of the of ourselves our mission is to come together in community so it is so deeply a part of us to be in this this tribe and I think that there is this misconception that we're going into a time where because it's so individualistic like when we don't give a shit about the other and that is the absolute mm-hmm. opposite of in in my belief and and certainly the the future that I'm visioning is it's that it's so the community comes a more like the word that comes to mind is choice like when we put ourselves first when we focus on our wants our needs our talents what we have to give how we want to serve then all of a sudden we're choosing the community. You know, it's not mm-hmm. this family that we're born into or the colour of our skin or our religion or our gender or all these mm-hmm. other things that we've been taught to be a part of. It becomes this individual choice that mm-hmm. this is who I am and we're, we're human beings. Community is always going to be a part of our makeup. Um, but I think it's just going to be a very different way in which we come together. It feels like, you know, what when you look at the prophecy around the mutation of 49 and 55 mutating kind of into into one another where it becomes a lot less about my my understanding of it it becomes a lot less about these extremely rigid tribal boundaries of you're in and you're out and much more into an, a, a spirit consciousness that says we're all in yeah you know yeah, the community the- support rallies around the fact that we're all in yeah, and it always reminds me of that. Um, I was just listening to the 37th Gene Key again the other day and that that idea of one family, that's what it makes mm-hmm. me think of, you know, like we're all one family. Yeah. It feel, that feels like a nice sentence to end on, to be honest. I love it. Awesome. Um, well, I'm looking forward to to May. I think it's going to be really important. It's funny. I can feel it. I can already see it in the conversations I've been having um, and it's that that piece for us all to be aware that it is a time of, like Jenny said numerous times, individual mutation. So what in you is ready to upgrade, paying attention to that subtle energy? Where is that pulse? If that pulse is on, are you responding? Are you acting? Are you moving forward or are you questioning it? Really being able to allow this that that more subtle energy to mutate you so that you can be showing those around you like yep if I can do it you can do it because I think that's a lot of that that 
individual circuitry really empowers through that, wow, if she can do it or he can do it, I can do it. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting month, hey, Jen? Yeah, and I think, you know, you know, for exactly what Emma's saying, it's like we have these incredibly strong conditioned tendencies to look around us at the world and, and its display for some kind of feedback about how we're supposed to behave and what we're supposed to focus on. And we're in a time of way too much information, way too much awareness. You know, we can be simultaneously aware of events in every single corner of the globe, and it's completely overwhelming. Um, And so I think if we understand, okay, what's the actual invitation here, this return to individual awareness and the way that that will change. If you understand, ah, I have to change. I have to allow the change to come through me as a part of the whole rather than wait for the whole to to change in the way that, you know, I can feel it's actually about me. You know, it's like we quite often, we feel this impulse to change and because it feels scary to do it, we look around like, well, who else is doing it? Is everyone else doing this? Can is it safe for me to do this? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's safe. It's necessary. This is how it goes. Grassroots. Yeah, individuals. Hundred percent. I like that. Like a really, that's what it's going to be all about. Like really, we are going to stop looking around at everyone else, and we're going to be more focused on ourselves, which in turn is going to create. Um, a really different reality instead of us looking to everyone else for acceptance and validation. So I love it. Yeah. And I just, I mean, so we're almost at the end of this nodal activation in the, I thought we were done, but we're not. Um, the, the 27, 28, you know, if you look at 28, the gate of the game player, the keynote, the transitoriness of power and influence if we look at it from the I Ching, the preponderance of the gate, the great, also known as great exceeding or critical mass. If you feel into that energy of critical mass, this is the south node, where we've been, what we're leaving behind, you can feel the critical mass, the great exceeding, the implication being that something has exceeded its capacity to hold and is about to break. It's too big, basically. Everything's too big. It's outgrown itself. It's overburdened. There's this feeling of, I, it, I, I can't cope with all of this. It's too big. You know, you know it's you overreached. Make, do you know the image that just came into my mind was Veruca Salt? You know, <laughs> when she blows up, when she's yeah. like, like, I wanted daddy, and then just ends yes. up blowing up. I feel like that's where we're at, you know? That like, is basically what the 28 is sitting in. It's the gate. Of, and the thing is, it's, you know, why is it about risk taking? Um, uh, you know, this, well, okay, it's going to blow. We can take a risk. It's this energy of like, I can feel that there is way too much of everything. Mm. You know, everyone everyone listening to this podcast has too much. I guarantee you have too much stuff. I guarantee (laughs) you have. We've got too big. And when we're too big, we can take a risk. Yeah. Because what else, what have you got to lose? It's going to blow anyway. You know, Veruca Salt's going to pop anyway. Yeah. So 
I was thinking, I saw an interview with Elon Musk recently about, it was being asked about Twitter and um, why he got rid of basically 90% of the staff, uh, or 80%, I can't remember. And he was like, it was too big. It was unsustainable. It had reached a critical mass. I had to take a risk. So we're in this kind of energy of um, the South Node where for the last month, when does it move? Moves on the 26th, 23rd. Well, I can't read from here. 23rd, 23rd of June. So we've got like a month and a bit left, in, well, two months really, in, in this critical mass energy. Uh, and where do we go after that? Gate three again. <laughs> so the South Node's going to move into gate three. We've talked all about this gate three and the mutation. Um, so in the I Ching, yeah, I think the great I just exceeding. Want to say, sorry to interrupt. Go on, sorry. No, no, you go. I just wanted to go back to the twenty-eight because I think that you know talking about the critical mass, what also pops in is it's like the critical mass of the struggle. Because this mm-hmm. really is that gate of the struggle. And for me, when I think of that, it's also the way I see it is like we're starting to call bullshit on the struggle. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. hang on a second. And it's that same thing. Like we've got too much. Hang on a second. Are we really struggling? Is it? Is it? Is it? No, actually, we've just been taught that. Um, so I think that's also part of it because I feel like we're critical massive at fear. Like, we're getting to this mm-hmm. point that we've been so conditioned to be fearful and taught to worry about this and be fearful of that. Like we're getting to that point where we're like, bullshit or, okay, fuck it. If it's all, you know, fucked, whatever. So I'm going to choose something different. I'm going to, mm-hmm. because of that, I'm going to be like, well, maybe my voice will matter or maybe this risk will work because I've got nothing to lose now. Emma's going to cough a lot. So I'm going to read to you from... I, see, I thought we were done, but apparently this bit, this bit, this piece is needed. So I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to read from Hillary Barrett's I Ching book about the 28 because I had prepared this, and I I think actually maybe that's where we're going. Um, image. So there's always an image associated with each hexagram. The lake submerges the great tree. Sorry, the lake submerges the tree, great exceeding. Water should sustain the tree, but an excess will drown it. Interaction and communication should sustain you, but too much will be overwhelming, drowning the natural growth of the spirit. I want to read that again. Interaction and communication should sustain you, but too much will be overwhelming, drowning the natural growth of the spirit. You cannot possibly absorb all the demands and preoccupations into your own identity. You will only lose yourself. So a noble one is not afraid to stand alone nor depressed at leaving society behind. She is moved by an inner purpose and not a product of her environment. That's from Hilary Barrett's I Ching. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I almost think it's that piece as well, like just thinking about the struggle. Like if the we need that to grow and evolve, right? And if there's too much of it and we're too burdened by it, then there's inaction. There is, you know, that depression, that no energy. So I feel like that's also part of of what this is all about. I love it. I love it. There's an interesting, like, sorry, do you want to finish that sentence? (laughs) There's an interesting thing about the 27 and the 28, because in human design, their programming partners, they sit directly opposite each other on opposite sides of the mandala. But in the traditionally Ching, they follow on from one another, 27 to 28, right? 
27 is nourishment as a um as a hexagram and in the traditionally ching great exceeding follows on from nourishment so as in nourish by nourishing you get to the point where you can exceed greatly like you can't mm. reach a critical mass you can't get to a point as a society where you have too much of everything unless there's a lot of nourishment preceding it yeah. you know without nurturance it's not possible to act so that's the way it would go in the traditionally ching yeah like yeah. you feed each everyone enough and they have it's possible for the society to get to the point where there's too much of a lot of things mm. but what's interesting about about this activation is it's the nodes and they're going backwards so in human design everything goes anti-clockwise around the mandala apart from the nodes which go clockwise so this feeling like we're going it's going the other way we've got to a point of crit critical mass south node 28 and where are we going north node 27 we're going almost back to nourishment we've got to the point where everything's just too much and we don't feel nourished by it mm. we feel overwhelmed and overburdened by it but in terms of our direction because of the backwards going of the north of the nodes we're heading back to tribal nourishment, deep sense of caring, um, away from critical mass, away from too much risk-taking, away from overburdened systems. So that kind of brings me a sense of um, comfort, if you like, in terms of what the nodes are inviting, where if we're heading back to 27, then into 27 then this is all nourishment physical nourishment social nourishment emotional spiritual intellectual things that sustain us individually and together mm. so like i'm going to read from is swimming, swinging back right that's what it feels like can you feel it like this yeah you can see how in the original I Ching it would have been structured that like you can't yeah. get to critical mass without a lot of nourishment but here we're like we're at critical mass we need to like we're returning yeah. to this sense of nourishment um, I'll read again from Hilary Barrett because I just love the way she phrases things. Um, below the mountain is thunder nourishment, and that's, again, the structure of the I Ching. It's mountain over thunder. A noble one reflects on their words and conversation and is discriminating about what they eat and drink. The sound of thunder under the mountain echoes and re-echoes re and is slow to fade away. The words you speak are the same. You put them into circulation. They become part of the constant flow of nourishment among the people. The same flow that nourishes you in the end. A noble one pays careful attention in both giving and receiving. How they nourish others and what they will accept as nourishment from others. You don't have to swallow every opinion you are offered. Mm, I like so, it. From the perspective of nourishment and in terms of words being nourishment, we can kind of see where we're headed with this is that we don't put anything out that we would not want to receive because as it says there is a constant flow of nourishment among the people the same flow that nourishes you in the end so whatever you're putting into circulation with your words specifically in this instance um is going to come back to you <laughs> <laughs> so if you're putting stuff out into the world that you would not want to receive that might be something to look at. Yeah. And probably something you should do always, be conscious of always. It, it just, 
you know, it it sharpens our awareness when we think about everything as a constant flow of nourishment and the quality of that nourishment. Mm. Any ranting, harsh judging, online trolling, inciting of division, it's all going to come back in the end. So anyone that we see engaging in that kind of uh, interaction, we don't need to worry about it. They're going to get it back in the end, you know, as you sow, you, so you shall reap. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think when we when we look at the nodes which are creating this environment and this trajectory, we can start to see, you know, where we're headed. And what we individually need to focus on is our words being nourish being nourishment to people. Yeah. Rather than division, creating division. Yeah. I love all of that. There's one thing I want to add though, because it made me think of it. Um I have been going down the rabbit hole of sacred geometry. I think I've already mentioned this to you and I just mm-hmm. love it. And one of the ones I absolutely love is the the Vesica Pisces. So for those who don't know what that is, it's the two circles that come together, they cross over, and then in the middle it makes that arm and shape. And <clears throat> I feel like what you're talking about is, you know, like that, like one of the the meanings, if you like, of the Vesica Pisces is like one circle is spirit and one circle is matter. And it's like too much spirit isn't good, too much matter isn't good, too much material. Um, so you always want to walk through, you know, the way, which is also this, that that arm and shape in the middle, which is also the divine feminine, which is also meant to be the representation to walk, walk through the worlds, the dimensions. And I feel like what you were saying is is very similar to that, like, it, what's what we're coming back to that nourishment that we're coming back to where it's almost like we're moving out of that materialism like we've gone too far to the material too far to the the human to the meat suit although it's a very important part of us like it's still we still have to walk the middle way um and maybe that nourishment is that piece like coming back to spirit and again like why the words are so important because you know um because that their energy, they're, they're, they're more that 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 what energy we put out in the world, um, what spirit, what spirit, how we're connected to spirit, and it's finding that balance, that nourishment for me is like finding that balance, like walking the middle way, because too much spirit is just as bad as too much material. It's very much about that coming back and and the, finding the balance. Um, yeah, I just wanted to add that because I just mm-hmm. it just really came into my awareness when you were speaking. And it's about like if you think about the how long something lasts, you know, most of the things we create materially don't last very long, but words last a very long time. You know, the mental plane is across all time. So if we think about what we're contributing, yes, it's important not to poison the material world, but it's also important not to poison the mental plane. And to be able to navigate the the existing poisons in the mental plane by not yeah. exacerbating and contributing to them. Yeah, because that's forever, right? The time uh-huh. is now. All time is now and forever. And, yeah, I love that. I think that's a really important point because, yeah, your material things hopefully will biodegrade in a short period of time, but let's be honest, most of them won't. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, that energy, the words that you put out, powerful stuff mm. so okay i think we are really done now that's all i I've love got. that 
Okay, well, thank you. And I suppose that <laughs> keynote is like, let's be really conscious of what language we put out there in the world. You know, what are we putting out there? Because if you wouldn't want to receive it back, don't yeah. put it out. Yeah, I love it. Wise wisdom from one of my favorite projectors, as always. Thank you so much, Jen. This has been fun. You're welcome. Thank you, as always. And thank you so much for everyone who's playing along at home. Um, We trust that you got what you needed from today's episode. We thank you all so much for your feedback, so much for your support, uh, for listening, sharing, for this being such a popular episode every month. We are so incredibly grateful and, you know, it's for you guys. So thanks for letting us know. Um, We love you lots. Thanks again for being with us. And I look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thanks everyone for being here all the way to the end of the podcast. I hope you got lots of value out of it. I certainly had a lot of fun doing it. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with friends if you found it valuable? And also, bonus points, could you leave a review for me as well on Apple? It would be greatly appreciated. If at any point you would like to be on the podcast or you've got questions that you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, by all means, get on my socials and DM me. Everything you need is there in the show notes. Have an awesome day. Bye for now.